Ladies and gentlemen, how is everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Six Feet of Separation. You are here alongside my co-host, Jessa B, and yours truly, DJ Kimmett. We have a very, very special episode. Just why, uh, That's why I'm running and rushing through the intro here and in the title. I'm, I'm just thinking about this individual. She's, she's very awesome, and uh, I don't use that word lightly. This is an individual that I've come in contact with and uh, shows nothing but humility. And if you're not in the know, you wouldn't even know that she is as great as she is. She doesn't wear it on her sleeves, let me say that. And just to give you a little bit of a background um, on this woman, uh, she serves as, and stop me if I'm wrong here, she serves as creative community and cultural strategist for Reemerge uh, Community Museum. Ash is also, uh, I said her name, I'm, I didn't mean to do that, but she's also <laughs> board member for Men Art Gallery, um, Wage Certified Gallery in historic uh, Southwest Atlanta. Uh, she's um, hitched um, major um, contracts or, or, or projects with Papa John's, Coca-Cola, and Nike. Um, most recently, uh, she's been appointed the Arts and Cultural Community Strategist for the Atlanta Beltline. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me help me bring forward this beautiful mentor and arts community advocate as well as CEO of Powerhouse Creative. Ladies and gentlemen, bringing to the show the one, the only, Ash Nash. Ash. <laughs> I, I, I had to build you up like that because I have, um, I have two beautiful and wonderful daughters and i just think they are the the cream of the world i just i just love them i love everything they yeah they do i love everything about them and with that i have become a fan of women across the board oh yeah and whenever i come in contact with awesome women such as Jessa b my my producer and co-host mm-hmm. and and yourself, I mean, when when we were doing our research on you, literally, we were like, "Damn!" Like she's got, she literally has too much going on. Like that's why you're doing the I most. Was, <laughs> yeah, I was stumbling through the intro. In a good way. <laughs> there's there's so much to read off for you, right? And I don't want to discount anything. And I know I barely touched, not even a quarter of what you're really, you know, got going on. But um, you know, first and foremost. Uh, welcome to the show. God bless yeah, you. Yeah, thank you for having me. And it's it's uh, I'm going to do do something in real time. It's about twelve fifteen p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's a Wednesday. Ash, tell us what you have done in this day so far, just so people get a scope. Because you know, you know, when you get those times, people calling you and asking you for stuff, and you be like, I don't think people really understand how busy I am. It's so run it down. Yeah. So um, it started off early with. Um, organizing for organizing basically a fleet of artists um, for backup with a mural project that's been in progress for um, C. Fluxing. He has a beautiful um, mural that's going up on the Lawton Street Bridge right off the Beltline. Sending stuff off to my assistant so checks can get cut because deals, you know, a lot of the work we do is pretty much production work. So there's multiple moving parts and deadlines change and things like that. So there's a lot of, you know, checks flying and, and just making sure, you know, the communications are right so that everyone is getting paid accordingly. Uh, that's the bottom line. So 
art is just the shiny object that I use to have a bigger conversation about, you know, economics and equity. Mm. Yeah, I um, there, there's a couple guys working out my yard. I went inside and talked to them this morning. Uh, I, I did the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had a couple meetings previous to this one, but I, nothing nothing like the morning that you had. Now that's why I wanted <laughs> you wanted you to tell us, you know. Just yeah, lots, yeah, lots of meetings. I got my Emory students. You know, we're organizing um, to put a documentary together, and they're located. Um, it's crazy because um, with this cohort that we're a part of, we're pulling together this documentary, and everyone's, you know, very few of them are located in Atlanta, but these students are from all around the world. So, you know, we've been boots on the ground trying to, I mean, boots online, <laughs> trying to pull this together. Um, so it's been interesting. We got, you know, over 20 hands in the pot on that. So so you recently became an adjunct professor at Emory. Can you talk more about how that came about and what exactly it is that y'all are working on? Yeah, yeah most definitely. Um, so earlier this year, I think that really spawned off of... Um, I did the Juneteenth takeover in which 19 black artists were commissioned to wrap the Flatiron building, which is Atlanta's oldest standing skyscraper for June 19th. I saw that all over Instagram. It was so dope. Yeah, Yeah, that was fun. It, It was, it was so black too. It was like, you know, it was all these protests. There was two active protests that was going on and the energy was like, our protest was different. You know, it was just the energy was there that was, it was very diverse. I think it was really the first time that people kind of came out during COVID and, you know, outside of the protest and the energy that was harnessed there, it was just beautiful because all the different cultures that was there, no one was like, you know, it's all lives matter or anything like that. And we were putting up strong, bold, beautiful black imagery. And my, the only intent that I wanted out of that was for the little the the black boys and girls that are in the back seat of the car when they pulled up to that light got to see real reflections of themselves mm-hmm. on a grand scale. That was all I wanted out of that. But everyone else just got so much more. You know, there were photographers that were like, "This is the largest I've ever seen my work up." And we have multiple mediums up, but um, getting back on track. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was a pretty big thing, and it was dope and fun and radical. Um, how I like it. So a little bit later, I was sent, I was sent an application or something for Emory program for art advocacy. And I'm really not big on applying to a lot of stuff. But then when I read the description, I was like, oh, this is right up my alley. And once I received it, you know, I filled it out and put in there how I've, you know, organized for Colin Kaepernick and Know Your Rights Camp and things like that. So I got contacted back that I was one of the six artists selected and my art of advocacy. And I was the most radical out of the six to be selected. Carlton Mackey, who's, you know, Emory Emory, uh, faculty, he's over the whole cohort. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually co-teaching a class with him. So I've been co-teaching that class pretty much for the past month. I've been teaching the students by myself. But for that first, like, August through late, September, October, I was co-teaching that with Carlton Mackey and Dr. Edward Queen. Um, so it's been, it's been great. Um, it's been a great experience, especially for it to be its first ever with such a iconic 
institution is like dope and, and my kids think it's cool you're too young to have children don't even tease me like that oh man you know y'all uh, i don't really show my kids too much because i don't like people approaching them you know but um i i myself have two daughters and like you yeah i love them dearly i'm very overprotective but my oldest child is 20 years old and my youngest is 15. wow you know, and that's that's a big thing behind a lot of the work that I do is I can't tell them that they can be anything they want to be and do anything they want to do if I'm not doing that myself. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. You may want to get in touch with your agent or manager because there's these very young pictures of, of Ash Nash out there and, and there's no way I'm going to believe <laughs> that you are a mother. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. I'm, I'm going to give it to you because black does not crack. <laughs> God bless. And, and but I'm just not even that. The fact that you're, you have this schedule, I'm thinking this is, you know, this, you're, you're a young single woman and you're not, you're a mother of two and you're knocking all this out. And you're like, and before we started this, you was like, you know, it's, it's, it's no time for sleep. I wait, I wait till this stuff is over before I get my sleep. That's when, I, yo, you, you are doing, yo, you're awesome. I'm, I'm just going to keep saying <laughs> that. Throughout, Thanks, throughout man. This. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, so I came up really rough, right? I came up mm -hmm. like, I grew up in drug houses. Um, mm -hmm. We was homeless a lot of times. Just a lot of hardship, a lot of survival. Mm -hmm. But I was always still like well-rounded, if that makes sense. Like my mother always put us on to different genres of music and, and things like that. And, you know, as you get older, it's like this whole concept of life and, and just like, I think about so much, whereas even slavery, like all this is for white comfort, mm -hmm. oppression, all that. And so it was like, no, nah, you don't get to tell me what my life experience is about, how grand I can be. Like I wasn't created um, to keep white folks comfortable. Like, yeah, you got me fucked up. So, you know, I just want to show children and even myself, my younger self, that like, no, this, this experience is fully in my control. No one can tell me how much I'm worth or, you know, my value, that's all me. So I've had a lot of hardships. You know, I am that underserved child. So um, I come from that. So that's, that's this is vengeance. Mm. You're definitely bringing it like a vengeance. My Fela Kuti is hey. known for, for, for saying music is a weapon. And I, I do believe it is. You, but you are going to come off being, being coined as, you, you can live with this one, art is a weapon because you just got done saying, you just, you just got done saying, mm -hmm. if it's dope, fun, and radical, that's the way I like it. Oh, absolutely. I tell everyone, first of all, all my projects start with a disclaimer. If you a white company and you mm -hmm. want to do business with me, um, mm -hmm. if when we speak our black truth, you feel some type of way, I don't want to do business with you. Right. Because you're not about to tell me what's too black, because that just means you're just uncomfortable. Is this comfortable for me? And if I'm not having fun and I'm uncomfortable, I'm not doing this with you. And I'm not going to explain nothing. You know, so any of the white organizations that you've seen me done business with, there's that disclaimer. Oh. And at the end of the day, like this is art. Art is supposed to be wild. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to, I think that's the thing that folks get older and they lose that sense of curiosity. Mm -hmm. A lot of this stuff is just my curiosity. It's just like, let me let me just try. What do I think about this? You know, and then that would be dope if we did this. And then that curiosity, you run with it. And then it happens. You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that shit blew up. And it blew up in ways that bigger than you ever thought. So it's like, yeah, let's do that again. So I'm I'm very curious. I'm very curious. And I like to have fun. Like, 
I've worked in corporate settings and there was nothing fun about that for me. Mm -hmm. But then it was like, well, I can't, that's not fun for me. That may be fun for them. So I don't belong in that environment. So I really had to create a space for me out, you know, in this industry. And that's really what you're seeing is me making a space. You know, people get so caught up in the titles. Well, are you this or are you that? And it's like, pick a title. I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm just a mom that has seen a whole lot of life and I'm just trying to have fun. So pick a title. I heard that. Don't let nobody define you. Don't lo- let nobody tell you, like you said, that what, what my happiness is. Don't get in my way. Let me do you. If you're uncomfortable with it, just get out the way. We don't have to work together. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely good with like our differences. You know, that's the thing that makes everyone dope. Like everybody can't be the same. It's, we got to embrace people's differences without it feeling like it's taking something away from you. Whatever your culture is, black, Indian, whatever, people should be able to speak their truth because at the end of the day, when they speak that, they're not lying. They're not making it up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So anything that I say about being black, what you going to tell me I'm wrong? <laughs> you can't. So that applies to every culture and we should be there with that. And that is the, the thing about the word radical or people saying that their work is radical or referring to themselves as radicals, honestly, are like, you know, they, they make white people too comfortable and it's, you know, you're living your truth. You are what radical is supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you know, what's crazy too is black folks don't realize a good portion of black folks are accountable for enabling white comfort. Mm-hmm. So when you're in those meetings, you know, I told them earlier this year, cause uh, I'm executive board member at Mint Gallery. Mm-hmm. And this was right around when George Floyd and all that stuff happened. It was so surreal. You know, we had COVID, we were under attack. George Floyd happened as a mother, a grown black man crying out for his mother, for his dear life um, rocked my core. And speaking to other folks in the professional space, they were just like, I can't be in these meetings, you know, putting this to the side. And I'm like, yo, why are we suppressing this? Why are you suppressing it for them to be comfortable? Like we are uncomfortable every day. We just maneuver through it. But there's there's so much that a black person has to suppress in a 24 hour period. And still work through. Like there is no post-traumatic stress. We're in it. You know, when you go to the grocery store and they told us that we had to start wearing masks, a lot of the black men that I know were like, I'm not comfortable with this mm-hmm. because this could get me killed. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, God forbid they be uncomfortable during your meeting. And I call it trauma pie. So it's like, well, we got the whole pie. Shit, cut, cut them a slice. Yep. Tell them, you know what? Y'all having this meeting, we don't get the option to turn this on or off if we care or not. But before this meeting, when I open my phone, I see a black man bleeding out. And I need a moment. Yeah. So y'all do what you want with that. Thank you for speaking on that. So can you tell us uh, what your first introduction to art was or your first memory of art and how you got into the art scene now? Mm -hmm. Actually, when I was younger. um, So I'm the youngest of two brothers. Um, One of my brothers is uh, my oldest brother is a musician and a really great artist. Uh, My second oldest brother is uh, actually Lieutenant Colonel in the Air Force. Mm. And, you know, they were always dope artists growing up. I was digging through some stuff and I seen like a few weeks ago, I'm like, dang, I did my first mural when I was like in middle or in elementary school. Wow. Yeah, so that was cool, you know, a cool memory. But then it was kind of, you know, life happened and just survival and kids and stuff like that. And I had got away from it. And then I had started, when I finally decided I was leaving, like, 
I used to work in the medical field. And when I decided I was leaving the medical field, I was like, I need a hobby. You know, I need to get to something that's fun. I don't ever want to feel like this. Like I had middle-aged white women that I had to answer to. And it was like, yo, you got me fucked up. Or even like my colleagues, they would be complaining about stuff. And I'd be like, why don't you just go to like, to me, it's like, I'm not going to a manager. I'm going to the executive of the company. Mm-hmm. You know, if you got an issue and they're like, oh no, I need this job. And I was like, yo, this shit like a plantation. I got to get up out of here. Right. And so I turned to art and I started my first brand. I used to go to a lot of art shows. And so I turned to my first, I created my first brand, Treehouse ATL, in which I had like a tea brand. And I really just went, I had a little PR background as well. Mm-hmm. So I really just wanted to go around to, I wanted to be like a PR support for artists, chefs, and musicians. Just the under, like I have a fascination with the underdog. Mm. So I love building grand stages for the underdog. Um, And so that's what I did. And it took off like the first year was best new thing about Atlanta and best public art show um, for creative loafing. And it had, you know, features and stuff. And then that just took off. I am. I believe the first time I met you was uh, through or alongside Fabian Williams, um, one one of his events. Mm -hmm. And I want you to speak on that, that the whole process around, and and I remember it clearly because I remember Fabian calling me and telling me, you know, he was, um, if I could help put the word out, you know, for when he was doing the the murals around uh, Super Bowl. Speak about uh, Kappa Bowl. Yeah, I know you coordinated that and you helped put all, a lot of that together. Speak on that that time and everything that went on, you know, as far as the Super Bowl, uh, you know, going in with the city to knock down that building in the West yeah. End that had the, the most iconic Kaepernick mural on it. Speak on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, actually when I had, you know, I was doing Treehouse ATL and I really didn't know Fabian at the time. And mm-hmm. I think I featured him. And then he was like, you know, I like the way you, run your brand and, um, you know, I, I need an assistant. Mm-hmm. And I was like, like, I'm not, you know, I'm still building, <laughs> I'm building my rocket ship, you know, but mm-hmm. I like helping mm-hmm. people. So I was like, all right, cool. Let me figure this out. And then I started working with him and just kind of seeing the ins and out of like that side. And I was like, yo, why don't we just move this or switch this up? And why are you doing this? And then, so I was like, I like to build, mm-hmm. you know, and, it was like I tried to build the systems to help make the business function. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we butt, we butt heads quite a bit throughout that process. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know what it looked like on the outside, but like we, there was a lot of beefing because it was like he would be more in the moment and I would be thinking more like overall, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we found our groove. And then I think it was like that December... I was like, look, I need to get back to it. Cause I had to resolve Treehouse ATL cause I couldn't do everything. And I was mm-hmm. like, all right, I'm gonna just stick with working with this. Um, I ended up becoming his manager. And then I knew that I wanted to get back into like my own branding and things like that. So I just yeah. couldn't think of the name or like what the pivot would look like. So fast forward to, you know, Super Bowl coming down, the city's going crazy. Businesses are changing all their, you know, aesthetics and things like that. Mm-hmm. And the um the bbc came down from the uk um because they wanted to interview him Mm -hmm. and so we hung out with them for the day and went around and showed them murals and stuff um and when we got to the kaepernick 
and the Ali mural, we noticed that there was like this huge like prison barbed wire wrapped around one of the light poles mm-hmm. at the, you know, any like a homeless person or, you know, a kid, anyone could have cut themselves on it. Mm-hmm. And there was like caution tape. It was just a weird scene. And mm-hmm. we were like, hmm, that's interesting. You know, so we go ahead and, you know, Fabian does the interview and then we leave. And then the next day, I'm usually, I would usually brief him before some of his interviews. Mm-hmm. And as I'm briefing him for the next one, he was going out with, uh, I think the AJC mm-hmm. and we're on the phone. He's driving up to the wall and he's like stumbling his words. He's like, ah, the, the mural's gone. The, the building's gone. And I'm like, what? Like I was surprised, but it was weird because I wasn't. And I don't know if that's just like women's intuition, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It was just cause the scene you. was so weird. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's like, the building's gone. And then the video goes up of, I'm like, you know, handle the interview and, you know, hit me back. So then he, like, the video goes up and it's the bulldozer tearing, you know, just stomping the building down. Yeah. And he was completely besides himself, just devastated, you know. Mm-hmm. The city was going crazy. And then folks started hitting him up like, yo, you got to do something. Like, what is this? And he was so taken aback that, you know, if you look back on a lot of his interviews, he always talks about he takes naps. So when it's just too much, he just goes to sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so meanwhile, I'm just like trying to figure out something, some type of response. Cause I knew that he was just going to be thinking and just put up another big one across the street. Right. And it was like, nah, that's not enough. Like you don't do that. <laughs> one thing I don't like is people messing with our communities and that we don't already don't have a lot of symbolism or right. artwork and things like that. So it was like, nah, is like this gang territory, you know, so you can, you can let it be known. So I get the idea to, I'm like, yo, we got to respond in a major way. So I'm trying to get in touch with him and I couldn't get in touch with him. So I just started hitting up folks and making phone calls and I'm like, yo, yo we got to respond. And what I was thinking to do was drop basically a bunch of Colin Kaepernick murals, almost like 40 Colin Kaepernick murals around the stadium so that when people either entered into the stadium or came out of the stadium, they would see different mm-hmm. styles of Colin kneeling. Mm-hmm. I finally get in touch with him. I'm like, yo, I got an idea. Let's just do this. Like I've already hit up all the streets and I'm like, yo, he's one of y'all. Y'all got to have his back. And everyone's like, cool, I'm down. So because he won like a lawsuit years back, like for a public ordinance thing, he was like, yeah, that's, that's cool, but I'm not trying to get in any legal tro- trouble. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Then he narrowed it down to seven. Mm-hmm. And he always comes up with these like weird names. So he picked the name Capper Bowl. And I was like, man, that's corny, but let's run with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, God, it's so corny, but come on, let's do it. You know, and then it literally turned into a full-on operation from there, like 24 is still kind of a blur, but I think it was like between two and a half, three days that we organized this during like the biggest event in Atlanta at the time, mm-hmm. trying to get in touch with building owners, like not just business owners, but the property owners right. to get permission to do this, trying to organize artists, trying to get supplies. Like folks actually drove down here from um, South Carolina just to, to drop off truckloads of paint. Wow. You know, like it was crazy. It went international basically we organized C-Fluxing, um, Charmaine Minifield, Joe King, 
Nails, aka Grafilthy, who was recently he was killed earlier this year, so RIP to him. But um, yeah, he passed. Um, usually was in there, Ziggy, Dancing Robinson, and also um, Muhammad Youngie. And like we just we just pulled this whole operation together. So I strategized it. I'm like, look, do this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're gonna do this. And I need everybody to stay on point. Like my daughter was bringing me, she's like, mom, have you eaten? <laughs> you know, like the whole kitchen table. My daughter's the one that set up the GoFundMe. Mm. You know, so it was me and the kids really organizing that. And Sherry Day Scott was, who's just been my right hand through all of this. She's absolutely amazing producer in Atlanta. Um, she, you know, helped with being a runner, making sure we have food and, and things like that. But yeah, we organized it and Fabian kind of jumped the gun because he like put out one of the posts too early because I was like, all right, we're going to do this Sunday morning before the game starts and this is how we're going to run it. So he put the post out a little too early and I had actually, I finally like went to sleep. So when I woke up, all the phones was going crazy. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And I look, he didn't put the post out and I'm like, oh my God, no, not yet, you know? So everyone goes crazy because his caption was, and on the third day he rose because he wanted to put the first mural out to set the tone for the styles of how the murals should be. Mm. And yeah, everybody went crazy calling Kaepernick. Well, basically I kind of, I got to his studio, all the artists met there. Some of them did. And, um, you know, we just were giving out orders and I think I, I rolled it out. Like it was a game, like it was a football game. So I was like, all right, kickoff starts at this time we still up in this thing. And then every time like you know, we needed ladders or anything, I would put the call out, yo, we need ladders. We need food at this location. Nails is over here. Graffiti's over here. Fabian's down there. Like we need, we need stuff here. And the community came out. What the crazy thing about Capra Bowl is that I was rolling it out as I would put like one Charmaine Minifield at this location two Joe King at this location. And I didn't realize that the city took it as it was a mural hunt. So folks was going out, yeah, we looking for mural number two. We looking for three. <laughs> so that was like, that was a complete accident. I didn't really find that out till like two weeks later that kids were, you know, parents were taking their kids to go find different walls um, as if it was a hunt. Um, but yeah, it went international. Colin Kaepernick got wind of it. He was actually in the city at the time and trying to get in touch with us. But it was just so crazy that we didn't get the message. And... We linked up. He flew us out to his Know Your Rights camp in Baltimore. And it was one of the most amazing experiences ever. And ever since then, anything they need in Atlanta, like Colin and the camp, they hit me up. I was fortunate enough to help organize for his, what was that, 2019 NFL tryout? Yeah. Yeah. You worked on that? Oh, yeah. They hit me up. Like a couple days before. And they were like, you know, we don't know if it's for sure, but they 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 might want him back and they were like so it's about to be boots on the ground so i was like you know just let me know mm-hmm. and then sure enough they came and we organized and we were right there with them we were i was you know i've got some pretty iconic photos of just being right there behind him and then all the press and the cameras on on the other side um, but yeah, it was, it's been, it's been quite the journey. Salute, salute. You're awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. That was the scenic version. Cause it is just, that was a lot. <laughs> no, I had no idea that that's, that's how the know your rights campaign came after that. And the story behind that, I mean, I'd heard from Kimmet, you know, how they tore down the building, but I didn't know that that sparked that 
that whole entire thing. So it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that was really the seed. They had already been planning to do one. And, um, you know, even so we went to the Baltimore Know Your Rights camp like a few weeks after Capra Bowl. We were invited to do that. And then Colin came down to be part of like Quavo's like a football thing that he does. And so they were like, we want to meet the artists. And I was like, that's cool. But you can't meet the artists without meeting the business owners who even provided the canvas Mm -hmm. for us to do that. Because to me, that just wouldn't be right. Like I don't move like that. You got to give credit where it's due and community. You know what I'm saying? Those business Mm -hmm. owners made sure that we had the properties and things like that. So uh, we met up at a hotel and we had a private meeting where the artists and the business owners or anyone who contributed to Capable, we was like over 20 deep in there. <laughs> and then when they came down, you know, they let me know that they wanted to do an August camp. So I had a, a, a pretty big role in coordinating some of that, um, especially like the art curation and things like that. We actually have a one-off of the Atlanta Know Your Rights camp guide and that has nothing but local artists in there um that was done at the gathering spot Mm. and benjamin crump was there Uh, um malcolm x's eldest daughter daughter atala shabazz was there wow yeah chameleonaire like all these amazing people nick cannon always comes and gives the kids like we we had over 400 kids there um in which they learned financial literacy how to deal with the police from trayvon martin's lawyer you know, it was so many amazing things. And what's dope about it is after it was all done, like we took Colin and Atala Shabazz down to Edgewood <laughs> and we just had a little kickback, you know? So it's, it's been beautiful. It's been beautiful. So speaking of all these murals and these initiatives for advocacy uh, going up around the city, can you tell us more about the Goddess Globe mixtape project? Oh yeah. So um, last year, end of last year, Art Riddick, who runs the Atlanta Street Art Map Instagram page, hit me up and he was like, I really want you to be a part of this initiative. And um, he wanted to, he was like, you know, next year Atlanta's on track to hit a thousand murals and I want to have a celebration. And I was like, well, that's cool. But first off, like, I don't know about a thousand murals in Atlanta's history. Maybe you celebrating, you know, maybe you documenting them, but I'll, I'll, I don't know about that. <laughs> And he's actually, he, he worked for Coca-Cola for 35 years and he's just, you know, this retired white guy just, and he picked up um, photographing murals as a hobby. And so COVID happened and a lot of shifts and turns and things like that happened. And actually some folks that got on him about, you know, this is not the time to be celebrating, you know, protests are happening and black people are under, you know, all this. And I was like, man, don't listen to that. I was like, I actually happen to be black and I could use something uplifting right now. Mm -hmm. So I'll be damned if someone who's not black determine what black folks, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? What's going to make us feel better. So yeah, I don't play that. But what we ended up doing because so many organizations got weeded out, it ended up being powerhouse, 50% powerhouse and 50% Cabbage Town Initiative. And Cabbage Town Initiative, they run that wall that's right on the crowd street entrance with all the graffiti art. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, they're going to select and They have a process where they were going to select an artist, which I was a judge in that selection process. And then mm-hmm. for powerhouse, they were like, you know, just let, let us know what you want to do. So I was like, actually, you know, Brianna Taylor and all this stuff happened and folks were like protect black women and all that. I'm like, man, get the hell out of here because 
the everyday black woman goes through so much that folks don't even want to give no credit to mm -hmm. at all. Black women are builders. We have organized the civil rights movement. Like black women build the stages all the time. And I hate it when people love to see us as supporting actresses, but they don't want to see us stand shoulder to shoulder. Mm. Like I can stand toe to toe with any black man or white man on any CEO table, you know what I'm saying? And run circles mm. around them. So I'll be damned if you're not going to give me credit, at least for my contribution. And not just me, but all black women. Mm -hmm. I'm just big on people getting their recognition for, you know, we may not see eye to eye or whatever, but it, you got to give respect where it's due. So that was really my tribute to black women that, you know, one, a lot of, a lot of the street art of black women was done by like either non-black people or men or something like that. And I was like, no, I really want to highlight some women that are doing it here. So Red Bull put a little something on it and I put in the rest. And every black woman on this project, basically um, this project is the Goddess Glow mural mixtape in which we dropped where you have a black woman muralist and a black woman photographer or videographer paired to a wall. So it's truly us creating our imagery, telling our storytelling from our point of view that no one can take any credit for but us. Um, I paid each and every one of them and to create. And so we have Courtney Brooks. We have Melissa Alexander, a.k.a. Phyllis Iller on the wall. I conceptualized the door knocker earring with Usley Matherin. That's off of Edgewood. And then we have um, Evelyn Quinones. Um, she was our photographer for that project. Zippor Joel, um, sorry, Zipper Joel. And Logan Lynette just did a wall in West End. And we may be dropping a uh, bonus track soon. Nice. Yeah, so pretty much at the end of both of these projects, Atlanta will have four or five new murals created for Black women by Black women. I, I love the fact that you are, instead of, you, you're one of those individuals like, you know what, instead of crying and fussing about it, let's go out and do it and let's do it quick. That's my problem sometimes though, is like, I'm not much of a talker because my, my brain is like, my wheels are always turning in a set. I'm a Virgo, so I'm like over <laughs> um, <laughs> assessing things, but that curiosity, you know? And so I have to run with that. It's like, and that's how even capable happened. Like, I act first and then I'll talk about it later because sometimes my body just, I think that's also part of the way I came up, you know, like you don't think you just do, you got to go. And then we talk about it afterwards if, if shit goes left. Got you. And so how are you reacting to this past election? November 4th uh, just passed as what it was about 14, 14, two weeks ago. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, two weeks, two weeks in a day. Of course, you know, we know about all the tomfoolery that's happening around it. And just just tell us how that's affecting or if it is or is not affecting your creative process, how it's affecting the way you're communicating with your daughters and your your overall, you know, your day to day life. How does that manage? You know, into it's sparking a little, it's sparking a little something. But the thing is, no matter what president has been. Black folks are still under attack. Oh. We're still getting attacked from white folks. There's still systemic oppression. There's still segregation even here in Atlanta. It's just modernized. People still see us as three-fifths of a human in 2020. So I did my part. 
I voted. But for me, it's like, okay, that's the grand scale. But I always say, like, you can only sweep butt so much shit under the rugs until the corners start to lift. So it's the little things that get that build up. So we have to address the little things, the systems. Like, I want to destroy the systems. And if you are, you know, especially if you're a white anything, don't be out here with no damn, like, Black Lives Matter signs and things like that. And you're like, oh, that's so sad to hear. Like, no, get to work. You know, Black oppressed people, we are owed so much. And so with this election, I would say the good thing about Trump being president is it showed it showed everyone what they needed to see. Like 2020 is a year of clear vision. It showed everyone what they needed to see. So it was like, my big thing is them being in office right now in this very day, I could still walk down the street and get pulled over for a busted taillight and lose my life. It's those systems that needs to come down. It's us that has to take accountability to making tangible assets to create change and holding everyone accountable. You know, when they talk about these elected officials and how powerful they are and things like that, like on just on a local level, hold them accountable. Right. I voted for you. Why am I dealing with this from this organization that you're supposed to oversee that runs off of my tax dollars? Do something about it because these government, it's we the people. And America is a corporation. So, like, we need to hold people accountable to real change in this corporation that we're a part of. Well said. So you've worked on so, so, so much, and you've already done so much to empower Black voices, but especially Black women. And before we let you go, this is our question that we like to ask everybody. What's something that you would love to work on that you haven't done yet or someone that you would like to work with? Ooh, I can't say, I honestly, I can't disclose that because the one thing that I've been wanting to do that hasn't, you know, been able to happen yet is starting to like manifest itself. Mm. So I don't want to put that out there just yet. You got Idris Elba into the 007 movie? (laughs) (laughs) Did I, did I go, did I get off? Did I miss something? (laughs) You might have jumped it a little there. (laughs) My bad, my bad. No, that's, um, honestly, I don't have the answer to that right now because like, you know, a lot of folks admire celebrities and stuff like that. But like, I'm a, I'm like, I admire my network, my friends, you know, like the folks, I, I love the underdog. So it's always like grassroots community stuff because I know the work that goes into that. So really it's just, honestly, I'm, I'm doing everything that I want to do. I'm like, I'm there. Um, and I have a lot of gratitude for that, uh, the community and the support. Also, let me give a little shout out to, to Steve West. For connecting us, Kemet. Yes. Yes. He's actually who connected me to the Goren Brothers project. Mm. And I don't know if you guys got to see that, but... Yeah, we were going to ask you about it, too. Feel free to speak on that. Yeah. Um. So, basically, Steve West connected us, and he was like, hey, Ash, I think you're pretty dope. And I got some friends over at Goren Brothers. Um, so, he connected me to Nikki Cutler. Mm-hmm. And they offered... They sent me, like, over $5,000 worth of hats. Mm-hmm. And I was like, let me just get some artists together and we create with the hats being the foundation of these wearable or sculptural art pieces. And man, that project, it has blown. So they asked to work with a nonprofit and I selected um, Dr. Shohama Piku's mm-hmm. uh, African Diaspora Art Museum of Atlanta, which is the first ever you know, conceptual art museum, but it's a safe space for us. It's not for the white gaze or how they see art. It's how we experience art. 
Mm-hmm. What I wanted to do was really just get some funds over to them. So because black nonprofits are also at a huge disadvantage for just funding. Mm-hmm. So what we did was we ended up selecting nine artists and they each created two to three hats. And man, when we dropped this show, like is it, it was amazing. Um, the first hat to sell was a $1,200 hat. It, well, we did like auction style. So you could either bid on it or you can buy it outright. And um, Zipra's piece that she did sold for like $1,200, which ended up being the most expensive hat ever sold in Goran's 125-year history. And then that followed up by <laughs> Melissa it. Mitchell. So two Black women broke, you know, broke history in their 125-year, you know, broke records in their 125-year history. The show ran on for a month. It was located at the Goran on Ponce. And it was just amazing. Like it, it raised over $11,000 in which Adama is receiving a portion of those proceeds. And every hat from uh, 22 hats is what it ended up being. Every single hat sold. Um, so yeah, it was a record breaking show and yeah, it's it dope. Man, the hats were just I, like literally uh, I have, uh, I think Steve gave me a brochure with all the hats and different people, um, you know, that were, were, were wearing the hats that I think mm-hmm. Shannon was on the cover or something like that. Shannon McCone. But yo, you, you nailed that. Like I and I remember seeing all the imagery and everything on Instagram. I was just like, man. Oh I'm, man, I'm, they I'm, they freaked it. They did. And a lot of them, they I I like to challenge the artists because it's important for them to have range. So I give them mm-hmm. stuff that's like, you can do this. And they were just like, you know, they were trying to bleach the hats. They weren't bleaching. They were setting <laughs> the hats on fire. Like they freaked them. And yeah. it was amazing. Like Gip Gip from Goody Mob came through, and he was just like, "Man, this is amazing." Killer Mike wanted to get like sneak peek at Fahamu Studio. The show was yeah, it was phenomenal. The whole actually, the Goran national team flew out from around the country to come to that opening. Oh, wow. This must be the fourth or fifth time, but yeah, you are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank That's- you. And we just out here having fun. That's it. I mean, really, just. I'm just the kid, you know, whose whose kids grew up, and, and I'm, you know, I'm just out having fun now. Well, there's good trouble, and you have good fun. So hey, you're definitely <laughs> your mark. Oh, I caused some trouble too, don't they? I, I do that. I, I, I bet you have. <laughs> um, we ain't gonna get into it on on this episode, but we gonna we gonna we gonna follow up, and we are gonna get a little bit deeper next time. You best believe. Word. Matt, before we do what I don't want to do, because you you keep lacing us with so much information and gems, man. Um, before we we let you go, man, please let the listeners know where and how they can find Ash. Nash and anything to do with powerhouse creative. Oh, thank you. Um, well, if they want to email anything, they can email info at powerhouse art and that's P O W E R H A U S. Um, we're actually in the middle of converting websites right now. Um, so as far as a website, it's www.powerhousecreativeatl.com, which will soon be powerhouseart.com. And then, of course, Instagram, Powerhouse Creative. Remember, H-A-U-S. And um, and I'm on LinkedIn, too. Facebook. Yeah. I think my assistant ain't my assistant. I like my marketing person. They, they got me on some other stuff. But I'm old school, man. Like, <laughs> I can only operate one of these things. I'm, a old, I'm really an old lady when it comes to this technology stuff. So it's like, I, I'm the person that, you know, just call me. 
<laughs> I'm so old school. Like, get all these damn notifications through emails and all that stuff. Like, I, you know. Whew. I feel you. I'm an analog guy myself. But, yeah, when, when I need to, you know, I have to open up an app. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time to speak with us. Um, I can't wait to circle back around and hopefully have you on again to see what you're working on and keep manifesting. Oh, likewise. And I appreciate y'all so much. Like, I think the show is great. I love what y'all are doing. Kemen, you know, always, like, it's, it's an honor really to work with the legend, you know, part of Atlanta's, the fiber of Atlanta's culture. So it's, um, I'm absolutely honored to be on this. Thank you. I need you to talk to my children so they can hear that. <laughs> oh, look, and my kids too. My kids too. They be like, oh, she's on TV again, or she's on another interview. Or she done did it. She done wrapped another skyscraper. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Thanks. Right. <laughs> Your kids will humble you real quick. Real quick. I'm like a skyscraper. They're like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're awesome. <laughs> Thank you. I'm gonna do go back and do a tally of how many times you use that word today. <laughs> so fitting. Well, for Thank six you. feet of separation, we have been your host DJ Kimmet and Jessa B with our awesome guest Ash Nash, and we will see you next time. <laughs>